This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso owner of turnonthejets.com. Today we're going to run it back with another roundtable with our Turn on the Jets contributors, Dan Eason, Dalvin Asario, and Greg Armstrong. We're going to discuss all the recent transactions for the New York Jets, of which there's been a decent amount uh, since the last time we spoke with you, and also talk about where the roster currently stands and what we think could happen roster-wise before the NFL draft. Before we jump into our conversations, I want to remind you guys to subscribe rate review podcast is available on spotify google play and itunes and if you have not yet please subscribe to our premium podcast badlands available at turnonthejets.podbean.com it is a 10-part audio docu-series hosted by myself and connor rogers documenting just how the new york jets have missed the playoffs for nine years in a row and how they are going to break their playoff drought since recording the 10-part audio docu-series, we have dropped in a few more episodes uh, talking to Connor Hughes and Manish Mehta about what has happened with the Jets in free agency and Brandon Thorne about projecting the Jets' new-look offensive line going forward. So that's turnonthejets.podbean.com. $9.99 covers you for 12 months, all new content that comes out on that feed. Also, before we jump into our first conversation with Dan Eason, where we're going to talk about Prashad Perryman and some of their other recent additions, I want to remind you guys that every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm is real or if there is a crime actually going on or not. All the alarm company can tell them is the motion sensor went off. Simply safe home security is different. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive production for your entire protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects you, your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. You set up your system yourself. No tools needed or Simply Safe can do it for you. 50 cents per day, no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com overtime and you will get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now to simplysafe.com overtime so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com overtime over time all right now that we got the psas out of the way dan how you doing tonight i'm doing pretty good how you doing i'm doing well i'm doing well uh hanging in in the uh, quarantine practicing my necessary social distancing i hope everyone out there is doing the same since the last time we talked the new york jets have made a few more roster tweaks most predominantly uh bringing in pierre desir as a new starting cornerback and bringing in brashad perryman as a new projected starting receiver uh, before we talk about any additions, uh, what's your reaction to Perryman, the first skill position player that the Jets have added this offseason? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we all were kind of surprised by how long it took for the Jets to kind of address uh, what they were kind of lacking in terms of uh, the amount of weapons that Sam Darnold had at his uh, at his 
in his arsenal, I would say. Uh, they really haven't had that much uh, over the years. And um, obviously, you know, it, we'll eventually discuss, uh, you know, the big uh, story around the wide receiver depth chart uh, right now. But, uh, you know, it was kind of a surprise that it took them so long to address uh, wide receiver. And, um, you know, now we're they're doing it with Rashad Perriman. Um, I think that he's it's an interesting signing because it really is – um, kind of a, a skill set target. They really wanted speed uh, more than anything else, uh, which was obviously kind of ironic uh, at that point in time. But, uh, you know, it, it's definitely, it goes along with what Joe Douglas had been kind of preaching about wanting to get team speed up uh, and wanted to be able to threaten teams downfield. Um, so if uh, they're in line in terms of uh, Adam Gase and Joe Douglas, uh, in terms of what they want, um, and if, this this may mean that they open the offense up a little bit more. Um, it's just it's hard to kind of tie down what the logic is uh, for them on offense. Whereas defensively, it seems a little more sound. I think the you know additions along the offensive line were a little more cohesive and kind of started to follow a trend. Whereas there really haven't been any <laughs> any other uh, changes going on uh, in terms of skill position. So it's kind of hard to see what the plan is and what exactly they're going for. Uh, but, you know, all we can do is just kind of, you know, kind of hope that the Jets get a lot of what uh, Perriman started to show uh, when he, he kind of got a little more, more shine late in the season. But, um, you know, really it's, it's just they're taking a shot like they've kind of been doing with a lot of other players. They're just kind of, you know, trying to see what happens, give him a prove-it deal, see what he can put on the field. Yeah, I think this in many ways reminds me of the George Fant signing in some ways, where you're betting on a guy with a certain athletic profile who's had some inconsistencies or has not played a ton early in his career and has also had some injuries, and you're hoping that you can get the best version of him in your overall system. So Perryman you know, was a first-round pick for a reason. He has the athletic profile. Uh, of a top-end NFL receiver. He didn't do anything in the early part of his career with the Ravens, had a couple moments with the Browns in 2018, and was kind of a forgotten part of a, a pretty loaded Bucks offense before he closed the season on this ridiculous tear when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin went down three straight 100-yard games and a three-touchdown game against the Lions. And really, like, 60 to 70% of his career production came over those three weeks. And the question is, how much of that was an outlier of playing just a terrible Lions team that had basically quit on the season at that point and being in a Tampa offense that was like the most pass-happy offense in NFL history? I mean, Jameis Winston threw right. for an ungodly number of yards last year. Uh, so can Perryman produce in a more you know, traditional offense, and can he be most of what Robbie Anderson has been for the Jets? And I think... You know, the thing about Robbie that I think people forget, it's rare for a speed receiver to be as healthy as he is. And he played basically every game the past three years. And when he had his starting quarterback, he was a guy who projected stat-wise to be a consistent 1,000-yard receiver. He's been between like 750 and 900 yards the past three years because every season his starting quarterback has went down for at least three games or more. So in 2017, he had the three-plus games with Bryce Petty. In 2018, he gets the three games with Josh McCown. And last year, he gets the three games with Luke Falk and Trevor Simeon. And his numbers in those games fall off the map, understandably. When he has Sam Darnold under center, when he had McCown under center, when he still had a little something left in 2017, the production was there. And I, I think with Robbie, you know, I think this was a situation where 
the Jets very likely, and I, I agree with what I've heard from Connor on this more than anyone, that they had a one-year offer for him out there, and the number's been out there for a while, similar to what they did with Poole, similar to what they did with Jenkins. Uh, I don't buy the four-year, $40 million deal. And I think Robbie probably also wanted to play with his college coach. I think he had a good experience playing with Matt Rule, uh, a guy who was almost the Jets' head coach. And unless the Jets kind of went a little above and beyond, they weren't going to be able to get him back. I think Perryman is fine as a plan B. Uh, you just can't think that that's enough, though. You know, Perryman, Crowder, and maybe Inua or Vincent Smith or Braxton Berrios is not enough for your three receivers. You still have to aggressively address this, probably both through the draft and free agency. Um, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, the Jets made a kind of a, a pretty interesting addition. And I want, I think I pronounced his name wrong last night when I recorded with Connor. How do you pronounce the Jets' new inside linebacker's name? <laughs> So it's uh, Patrick Onwasor. There it is. And I'm asking you because you had the start of a very good Twitter series about a month back about the proper pronunciation of different last names heading into the NFL draft. So I think you're going to have to rebump that again as the draft gets a little closer. And the Jets, this signing, it kind of raised some eyebrows because he's an inside linebacker. And right now the Jets have... C.J. Mosley, Avery Williamson, Blake Cashman, Neville Hewitt, and James Burgess. Hewitt and Burgess, both of whom were brought back under a contract. Uh, you know, with this signing, you have a guy who, despite being an inside linebacker, has gotten after the quarterback pretty well. Uh, you know, has eight and a half sacks over the past two years, has been involved in forcing five fumbles. Was a guy who was kind of proclaimed the heir apparent to C.J. Mosley when he left. It didn't really work out that way. Uh why Why was this a move the Jets made? It seems of all the positions you would need to make an addition, inside linebacker would be the last of them. But why was this a signing they decided to go with? Yeah, and uh, you know, before I get into this, I, I do have to confirm the Niger scout will be making a return. Uh, so definitely look out for that. But uh, you got to follow uh, Dan on Twitter yeah. to get those videos. So make sure you do that before the draft gets too close. Yes, sir. Definitely. It's, it's, uh, it's super necessary for sure. I'll definitely come back. Uh, but yeah, no, I think this is a very, very interesting, uh, situation. I think, uh, especially with a lot of the other, uh, a few of the other signings they made, uh, on defense, uh, with, uh, like a few depth signings that they made, uh, it was interesting to see them go ahead with the, un, uh, on deal, deal, because, uh, it seemed like, you know, they could, kind of be comfortable uh, going into next season with what they had, especially with uh, the type of season that Cashman had. We know he has like kind of some, uh, you know, terrifying injury history, but uh, he did play well when he had the chance. So the Jets were definitely feeling pretty good about their depth there, it seemed. Uh, and then they kind of went ahead and made this signing. And yes, he's he definitely had a super down year last year. Uh, a lot of uh, reports from like Ravens writers say that he was like definitively benched early in the season. Uh, but for the Jets, and especially for him personally, having played with C.J. Mosley before, having good rapport with him, uh, having his best seasons with him, uh, it's like at best or at worst, I would say, a very good depth signing. Uh, but it definitely makes you wonder if they have other plans or if they uh, might try to move on from Avery Williamson. And honestly, personally, I, I think that's a terrible idea. I think uh, from what we saw, the little we saw of Avery Avery Williamson and CJ Mosley together, I think was terrifyingly good. Uh, I think um, the potential of that tandem was 
pretty awesome. And uh, Avery Williamson showed a lot of strides in uh, his coverage ability. We we saw C.J. Mosley's coverage ability in the few in the little games that you know we saw with him uh, was also vastly improved. So you can really just imagine both of them in season, not preseason. You know, in season, uh, finally getting to put those two together. I, I think it'd be really special. And I think that uh, I think we know what. <laughs> Uh, you you know a defense can get from Mosley and Unwasor. I think uh, I don't think it's better than what they would get with uh, Williamson and uh, and Mosley. So I I think they should take it easy in that regard. I think that um, you know Unwasor is a great depth signing. I think that if they could use him on special teams, obviously Brant Boyer is a keg maker. Uh, he can probably have you know great use cases for him all along a special teams. So. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of good that can come from this, but I, I definitely don't want them to make a drastic decision and move on from Williamson unless they're getting something awesome in return. Final question before we let you go. If the Jets can make one move before the NFL draft hits, free agent signing, release, or trade, what would you have that move be? I've been... Uh... You know, I feel like throughout the offseason, I've kind of been like, eh, they don't have to make this move. Eh, it's fine. They don't have to make this move. It's fine. They'll be okay if they didn't make this move. But I, they really, I feel like the Trent Williams deal kind of has to happen. Um, I think they kind of pigeonhole themselves right now. In terms of uh, the outside of the offensive line, I think they have a lot of question marks. They've made a lot of signings, but they still have a lot of questions, which is exactly what they, you know, what didn't want. Going into the draft, you don't want to be uh, going into the draft trying to fill needs. You want to be going into the draft a little bit free, having a little bit more security, having a little more confidence in the team that you have so that you can, you know, take some best players available without having to be completely terrified of what may happen. Um, you know, so I think if they if they're able to make a Trey Williams trade. They they're freed up a little bit more in the first round to potentially go after the best receiver available, especially now that they are kind of struggling at the wide receiver position. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the Trent Williams trade is definitely the one move I would I would love to see them make because uh, yeah, it, there's just too many questions along the offensive line again. You know, despite a lot of the the depth that they're starting to build in the interior, it's just there's too many question marks on the outside. Dan Eason. Thank you again for joining us second week in a row. I'm going to guess that we're going to have you back on again next week as well. So we appreciate the uh, the ongoing conversation. Uh, everyone make sure to give Dan a follow on Twitter and follow his work at turnonthejets.com. Talk to you next week, Dan. All right, see ya. And for our second part of our roundtable, we are now joined by Greg Armstrong, back again from last week. Greg, how are you holding up? Well, I was good until about 36 hours ago when our beloved sun god left us for greener pastures. Greg is our resident biggest Robbie Anderson fan, so I specifically left this part of the podcast to only let him talk about Robbie Anderson. And Greg, about four or five weeks ago, had, you know, gave me a little nudge that he had heard some pretty solid information that Robbie was going to Carolina, and it was pretty much a done deal. The exact numbers were kind of floating around how much it was going to be. And I think at some point a few weeks ago, someone had tweeted me, where do you predict Robbie's going to go? And I tweeted a Petey Pablo gift that I think probably went by most people's heads. <laughs> so I don't get the reference for how old that song is. And that's kind of been, I had always in my, from everything I had heard, it was always very, very, very unlikely Robbie was coming back. The Jets had basically set their price and it was not likely to be a competitive offer. And then you kind of, 
with the specific team, and it makes sense with the rule connection, Carolina was always kind of stuck in my head as the most likely landing spot, more so than a Green Bay or a Philly or an Oakland or some of the other teams that were considering him. And then, sure enough, he goes to Carolina, two years, $20 million, $12 million in year one. The Jets pivot to paying Brashad Perryman somewhere between 6 and $8 million, alarmingly close considering the levels of production between those two. I'll stop talking now and let you talk Robbie and rant a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so it it stings for me a lot because Robbie was like the first the first kind of guy that I hit on when he came back in the league a couple years ago as undrafted free agent in the preseason. I, you know, he went off against Washington and he had a pretty good game against Philly and I was like, "Oh, this is a guy. This is just a dude. He's going to stick. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, extraordinary receiver but I think he's going to be pretty good receiver and just watching him progress from simply just being a guy who just runs nine routes to that second year where he kind of developed his route a little bit more um and you saw him develop more into a an actual receiver just not a a one-trick pony and then just seeing it over the last couple of years where he's a legitimate threat and it sucks that he didn't, you know, have the games that you wanted to see against like a New England or some of the the top tier defenses in the league. But there's a couple times you see him, you know, beat elite level corners, and you know, you you kind of perk up a little bit. Now, granted, it hasn't been the best quarterback play. I know, you know, Sam's missed him a, a lot of times when he's he's beaten deep quarterbacks and having to play with Bryce Petty and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh McCown, and you know, the list goes on and on and on. But just seeing him develop into the the guy that he was, and then not only that, but just off the field. I mean, his Instagram posts, his Twitter posts, they're the most like relatable content, I think, in Jets Twitter history. Like, who doesn't like when the sun stays out later? And he became the sun god after that. And even his escapades in Florida the last couple of weeks where he's, he's taking videos of trees and making fun of them. It's just, he's, he's just a super easy guy to root for, a super likable guy. I know he had his off-the-field issues, but... You know, it was just a, a seemed like a one time thing for him, um, and it was it's it's crushing. It, I told it to my friends. It's basically just like you know the relationship is probably over. You can see it on the horizon, but like you're not that sad. You're kind of just like at the point you're like, you know what, break up with me. And then it's like they leave, and it's you're just immensely sad. And that's how I felt about Robbie. I was told a couple yeah a couple weeks ago that Carolina was probably the landing spot. And it would be for around 13, 14 mil a year. Um, and that he loves Rule. Rule obviously coached him in college. And there's a couple people on the staff in Carolina that, that you know, kind of helped him stay in place after he got brought back at Temple. And he really likes those guys. So it was going to have to be a thing with the Jets where it was an offer that was out of this world where I wouldn't particularly feel comfortable about giving him that money. But that would probably have to be the, the deal that they'd have to give for him to come back but yeah I mean it was it was like a 99 to 1 you know percent that he was going to come back or he was going to leave and it sucks it just sucks seeing the news of him going to Carolina it's going to be weird it's going to be really weird because I don't know who their quarterback's going to be but just seeing him in a different uniform it's going to be it's going to be very sad yeah I could again I mean I definitely empathize I think Robbie has been a fun guy to watch grow and develop. Uh, he's obviously entertaining on social media. And I think when, honestly, when you think back to the past three years of Jet football, there's been so few offensive highlights that Robbie's involved in like 
80% of them. So when you think back to all like the most fun and big plays from the last three very mediocre years of Jets football, it's Robbie Anderson's 92-yard touchdown against Dallas. It's Robbie Anderson's 65-yard touchdown against Miami week three and week 17 that got them their first win in the season. It's Robbie scoring two touchdowns against Carolina. It's Robbie's touchdown against Pittsburgh late last season. Uh, he has a lot of those sort of major highlights. And I think, look, fans are going to do fan things and they're going to say he's, you know, he stunk. He was overrated. He was soft. This was a guy, and I listen, I enjoy covering the receiver position more than any position. It's the one I watch the closest. Uh, and Robbie has unquestionably got better year over year and became a much more complete player. Uh, much better at the point of catch and a much more diversified route tree. Anyone tells you who he, he has not developed that way has just not watched him play the past few years, and I've watched every snap that guy has played as a Jet multiple times, and he's gotten better every single year. And I think he'll be really good and productive in Carolina, and the Jets' offense is going to miss him. And I, I don't think you know, Perryman's a bad plan B. I think there's some upside there. I think assuming he's going to play 16 games and be really productive is risky, so I hope the Jets are still really aggressive. Uh, when it comes to addressing wide receiver in the NFL draft. And I, I don't have any thought that they won't be. I don't think it's going to be where they go in the first round. I think that's still going to be offensive tackle. Uh, but, you know, I don't think Perryman is enough because Perryman and Crowder is sort of your one and two. The three is still kind of wide open right now. It probably defaults to being a rookie. Uh, there needs to be more work to be done there. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if outside of the draft, the Jets ended up with another veteran. I don't know if that's, Alshon Jeffrey via sort of a salary dump trade or he gets cut. I don't know if it's Albert Wilson if he gets cut. I could see some some gay guy bouncing here to kind of round out the depth chart. None of those names I'm particularly excited about, but a little more depth never hurts. So before we let you go, Greg, if you could see one more transaction made from the Jets, make it, it could be a signing, it could be a cut, it could be a trade. What would you have that transaction be before the NFL draft? I think I'm... I'm more so in the camp of trading for Trent Williams than I was last week. I think seeing the way that they, the offensive line has played out and the signings that they've made and just the cap space that they have now. And, you know, we saw Trent Williams agent a couple of days ago basically be like, yeah, he's not coming back to Washington. They've lost a whole bunch of leverage. It, it almost makes too much sense to trade a second or third round pick for a guy that's 32 years old. You know, we haven't seen him play. It's been from injury, but also, you know, the Washington Redskins failed to identify that he had cancer. Um, so I think the Jets training staff is, is, you know, a little bit better than that. I would hope uh, that they could identify something like that. But I'm all for paying him the money because it also opens up a lot in the draft. So if you give you give a second round pick, you give a third round pick and you extend and, you know, you give Williams a contract that he wants. It doesn't necessarily take off the table that you can draft an offensive tackle in the first round, and it gives you the flexibility to possibly trade back and get a guy like you know Josh Jones is a is a popular name in the middle of the first round. And if you could recoup, you know, you trade a second or third round pick for Williams, and you can possibly recoup some of that draft capital by trading back in the first round. I think Douglas, that's something that Douglas seriously needs to explore. Other than that. You know, nothing really moves the needle for me on transactions. I know you talked about Jeffrey. If it's a salary dump kind of thing, okay, cool. You know, it, it's not going to replace Robbie's, you know, skill set in his production. And whoever they get, it's it's really not about the production for, 
you know, wide receiver. Robbie's skill set is a unique skill set. He's got game-breaking speed that not a lot of cornerbacks can, you know, deal with. We've seen it time and time again against elite cornerbacks where he just flies past them. So it's going to have to be a wide receiver by committee. I don't want them to do anything, you know, giving up draft capital or spending a whole lot of money on receivers. So I think Alshon would be out. But I think they should attack wide receiver more so in the draft. Trade for Trent Williams and ideally try to trade back a little bit in the first round and recoup some of that capital for giving up for Williams. Greg Armstrong, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your Robbie Payne with us. We will be back next week to talk about whatever else happens between now and then. Stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Wash your hands. Wash those hands. And we are going to close this week's episode just like we closed last week's episode with Dalvin Asario. Uh, Dalvin, how you doing? Thanks for checking in. Absolutely, man. You know, there is not a better way to spend a you know second week of shelter in uh, than talking with you about the Jets. So I'm happy to be back. I'm glad. I'm glad to at least have some sense of normalcy. And the TOJ pod for the last eight years has been my sense of normal. So. Talk to me about what you think of the Jets offseason to date at this point. Someone asked me to grade them in free agency as of today. I said somewhere between a C plus and a B minus. I, I felt that that felt reasonable because the only guaranteed above average starter they added is Connor McGovern. They added a couple other interesting pieces and some guys who could add a little more depth. Would be, in my mind, not realistic or pragmatic to say like George Fant and Brashad Perryman are guaranteed above average starters. I think Desir was two years ago. He wasn't last year. Uh, Van Routen, I think he's probably right at the border of being you know about an average starter, which could be an upgrade over Brian Winters. And the rest of the guys have been more uh, death pieces sort of spread throughout. Uh, what's your take on everything you've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're spot on. I think McGovern is the only... Uh, top end starter. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a, a center who, you know, has been exceptional in pass protection, exceptional in run protection. And it was a big loss for, you know, Denver to lose him because Denver, remember, they signed Graham Glasgow. Had they been able to keep McGovern and sign Graham Glasgow, that's a really good front of the offensive line in order to protect second year quarterback Drew Locke, right? So, again, that's a big loss for Denver. It's a big gain for the Jets. Um, you know, big Greg. Also, you know, by the numbers, had a solid season. But if you did it, if you look into the film, like a, a, on that offensive line, they had Paradis, right? Who, again, a veteran center, and Paradis had to cover up a lot of a lot of Big Greg's mistakes. So you hope, you know, you hope that last year was an anomaly for him because while the numbers were good, he does grade out to about an average starter. And is that an upgrade over Brian Winters? Is that an upgrade enough for you cut Brian Winters and you, you know, you hand the starting job over to, to Greg? I think you do. Um, you know, you have Rashad Perryman who, again, I know a lot of folks will sit there and they'll say, man, nobody, you know, you guys didn't see, you know, how he balled the last month when Mike Evans wasn't in there. I, I kind of look at his last four games as kind of like, you know, in the NBA when like somebody has to put up buckets on a losing team, somebody had to catch balls in that offense when Mike Evans went down and Jameis Winston threw for over 5,000 yards and he threw 30 touchdowns. So anybody is going to anybody's going to produce in that offense. He's not bringing Bruce Arians with him and he's not bringing a better quarterback in Jameis Winston with him. So this notion that he's going to replace Robbie Anderson, I think is a little misguided. And I think it's, you know, commonplace. We've seen this, Joe, like when somebody's on the Jets, they're the greatest player to ever play. Every draft pick that McCagney made was good. And then the minute they leave, it's like, well, they weren't really that good. And I think we're seeing a lot of that with Robbie Anderson. Um, I would. 
Honestly, I think this team, the offensive line is going to be so key, but one of the reasons that Sam Dunn Arnold shot up draft boards is because of how well he did with no offensive line in USC. So there's assumption that you need a perfect offensive line for Sam Darnold isn't necessarily true. I think you need a solid left tackle and a solid center and the Jets don't have a solid left tackle right now. You do have a solid center though. Um, I, I worry that a lot of Jet fans are going to think, man, look, Joe Douglas hit it out the park by getting all these offensive linemen and they're going to be surprised when the team goes four and 12 next year, because this is not the offense. You cannot tell me that the offense is suddenly better with Rashad Perryman, Jamison Crowder. And, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from Quincy. Anua. We don't know what you're going to get with Chris Herndon. The defense, you have CJ Mosley back, hopefully for another year. You added Pierre Desir. He's an upgrade over Tremaine Johnson. But ultimately, you're bringing back Bless Austin, who was good down the stretch for the Jets as your second corner. And you're banking on no pass rush because you did not sign an edge rusher at all. So I'd grade it as an incomplete. But if you had to force me to give it a grade, I'd give it a, you know, a C plus B minus because I do think adding McGovern, that's a huge upgrade over Harrison. And then you add Greg Van Roden, who should be a huge upgrade over Brian Winters, just because Brian Winters was so bad last year. But there's still a hole at left tackle. You do not have a a receiver that scares anybody on this team. And you still have Adam Gase, man. And I I think one of the things that I constantly kept saying, and this is kind of a long-winded way of saying this, one of the things that I kept saying throughout the first three months leading into the offseason is you needed to build a team that was good enough to overcome Adam Gase. And I do not think the New York Jets have done that. You know, you lose your best receiver. You still don't know how to use Le'Veon Bell. You don't upgrade a left tackle because Calvin Beachup is better than George Fant. So you don't upgrade there. You upgrade a corner, but then you still haven't added an edge rusher. And you can have all the corners in the world. But if you have no pass rush, then what does it matter? So this isn't a team that can overcome its really, really bad coach. And right now, you're looking at a division that really is going to belong to Buffalo unless New England signs Cam Newton and then they're able to build around him. But it's probably Buffalo's division to lose. And I, I wouldn't rank the Jets as a top six a top six or top seven team in the AFC right now. No, I think realistically they're probably somewhere like in that 8 to 12 range depending on how a couple more things shake out. There's just not enough concrete proof yet that they have enough to make that leap and overcome Adam Gase, like you said. And I I, I tweeted this. I think there are many ways the Jets could be better than they were last year. Like I think Darnold could be better and play for 16 games and the defense may be better in some ways, but... Uh, with the schedule, I could see them being better but having a worse overall record. And sometimes that happens where their DVOAs might be higher and in a vacuum and certain performances might be more impressive and their defense looks a lot better on paper. Uh, But the reality of having to play, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, having to play Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, having to play the 49ers, having to play a a restacked up Cardinals team in year two of uh, Kyler and Kingsbury, Instead of Doug Hodges and the Bills backups and Miami tanking twice, uh, I think you could see a team that you're like, wow, this team is actually better week to week, and there's not getting blown out and losing to 0-11 teams, but they still finish 6-10 and or 7-9, and which, you know, they're over-under right now, and Vegas is 7, which candidly feels, feels fair and feels about right, and, you know, Adam Gase sort of has that, like, Jeff Fisher 7-9 and every year until you prove it otherwise <laughs> right. vibe. Um, so before we wrap, and I asked Dan and Greg this question, if the Jets could make one move before the NFL draft, could be a trade, could be a free agent signing, could be releasing someone, uh, what would you want to see that move be? Oh, man. So I'm torn between two uh, because I think both of these, one, fill holes, and two, because here's the thing, and I had this conversation with folks last year when they were like, oh, what well, does it matter if you, you know, if the Jets haven't had Pro Bowl players? I think you had tweeted out sometime around October, like just the, like Jamal Adams, I think Jamal Adams is rightfully praised because he's arguably 
if not the best safety in football, no worse than second behind Eddie Jackson, right? I think that that's fair. But I think a big reason why Jamal Adams is, is heavily praised is because he does have the Pro Bowls and he does the, the he does have the All Pros. And folks are like, oh, well, why do you need All Pros and Pro Bowlers or whatever? And I was like, because that means you have difference makers at positions of need and in high high you know high attention positions. You need that. So. If it wasn't to trade for Trent Williams, I'm trading for Odell Beckham Jr. today. And he's the one move that I make because I think you're talking about a top three receiver in the NFL in his prime with what's going to look like a reasonable contract once the next wave of contracts are up, right? Because, again, we know this, the big contracts now aren't going to look like big contracts in a year or two, right? Odell Beckham gives you a legitimate number one wide receiver. He gives you a guy that that realistically style-wise fits into what Adam Gase wants for his wide receivers. He plays bigger than what he is, and he is a legitimate legitimate player that puts fear into opposing defenses' heads. And right now, the Jets do not have a player like that, Joe. And I can't think, other than Brandon Marshall's big year, right? Other than that one, you know, and we talked about this on Badlands, me, you, and Connor. Other than Brandon Marshall's big year, and those four games for San- or eight games for Santonio Holmes leading into the playoffs. I cannot think of a time in our memory as Jets fans, as adults, where they've had somebody put the fear of God into a defense. And Odell Beckham Jr. is still that guy. Because even in a down year, he made Baker Mayfield look like he should have been the number one, <laughs> the number one pick in the draft. And I, and I would love to see him with a talented quarterback like Sam Darnold. And I think Odell Beckham Jr. changes the complexity of this offense because now you're not putting eight in the box against Le'Veon Bell. You're not putting nine in the box against Le'Veon Bell because face it, Robbie Anderson, as he's developed into a really good player, you you still saw teams trying to cover him one-on-one and that's why they got burned a lot. That's right. Their DPs got burned a lot. Odell Beckham, you're not singling him up one-on-one outside. It's not happening. So that's the player. That's the one player, the one move that I make before the draft is trading for Odell Beckham Jr. Dalbin Asario, thank you for joining us. As always, everyone follow Dalbin at Twitter at DA underscore Asario. We will talk to you next week where hopefully we have some more transactions to muse over. Uh, Stay safe out there. Yeah, (laughs) stay safe, everybody. And thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. We'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you for listening.